Everything is expensive these days, you know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. This is a very important election. I know, I know, we hear that almost every time that we go to vote. But this one, if you follow the news, and of course you do if you're watching and listening to me tonight. And by the way, I have a little allergy in my throat, uh, the little fall allergy stuff that's all over the place. Anyway, um, this is a battle between the progressive left and the American people. That's what this election is about. It's not about, it doesn't have anything to do with Republicans. Republicans, they could be munchkins. I mean, I don't have anything to do with it. It's the progressive left, which control Biden, imposing their insane view of the world on us and how we're getting hurt and whether we, the people, will rise up and throw them out. It doesn't matter who's running against them. It really doesn't matter. That's how bad it is. So I wish that uh, the election were tomorrow, and that is the subject of this evening's Talking Points memo. I'm a little afraid that the anti-progressive forces may have peaked with uh, 15 days left. Um, I don't think that's true, but it's possible. If the election were tomorrow, this giant momentum wave, uh, red wave, would obviously kick in with two weeks left. And I'm going to tell you what the tactics are going to be on the progressive left. They're very powerful because they control the media. That's the center of their power. It's not George Soros yet. He kicks in money like crazy, but it's the media that enables him. I just, uh, before I came up to tape here, I was watching CNN uh, and they were pounding that gas prices are down, which they are. But food prices correspondingly are up so that there's no relief. But CNN was like hysterical on the gas price. Now, they should report that they're down a bit, but they don't put it into any perspective, like they're way up from when Trump left office. They never say that. But anyway, it's just an example. Now, the power base for the progressives is the media. So three issues, inflation economy, violent crime, 
crumbling national border. Ukraine, abortion, those things, they're in play, but they don't sway votes at this point. They don't. All right. Again, Republicans, you know, people ask me, well, why is a pro-Republican? No, that's not who I am. I'm anti-progressives. And the Republicans offer at least lip service, and I believe here in New York, more than that, okay, that they're going to correct some problems. They're going to go and try to solve some problems, whereas the progressives are not. Um, So we told you last week that Sunday, yesterday, the media blitz to try to save the Democrats would begin, and it did. Roll the tape. Uh, look, I, I think Donald Trump is the music in the in the heads of many Republicans. They, they, they're listening to him. They're, they're repeating his lies about the last election. But the, but the failure of the Republican Party to break away uh, from someone who's being investigated, not just uh, uh, at the federal level, but also in the state of Georgia, the state of New York, the fact that Republicans are comfortable running with Donald Trump uh, and not running on their own agenda, that's, that speak volumes. But the fact is, is that we fully intend to win. We have far superior candidates. Our our nominees uh, uh, for challengers, shall we say, and our our incumbents Mm -hmm. are far superior. They're better candidates, well-organized on the ground, owning the ground with our mobilization, clear with our message into these districts. Inflation is a global problem caused, A, by the breaking of supply chains, because of the pandemic, by the war in Ukraine. And as I said, significant part of inflation has to do with corporate greed. What are the Republicans' response to inflation? What do they want to do? Well, maybe they want to cut wages for workers. Do they want to raise the minimum wage? No, they don't. So I think it's important to take the attack to the Republicans. I mean, we can say that the difference between Donald Trump and the difference within Biden is Biden is a policy president. So he has he's going to make fundamental changes for a generation. And we're talking about student loan relief. We're talking about bringing back manufacturing and the list goes on. Okay, that last woman is a Latino activist. So it starts off with Brazil, Trump. And you're going to see Trump almost every day uh, in the news tied into Republicans. Okay, that's to mobilize Democratic vote. Then we go to Pelosi. We're going to win. We have far superior candidates. It's a load of hooey. Okay, in every state, Democrat candidates are on the run, on the defensive. Then Sanders, who you just got to love him. Um, the inflation is caused by the supply chain problems. Well, Trump had a year of that. And it was 1.3% inflation under Trump. He had a year of it. So Sanders just blows, you know. And then we get back to Trump with uh, Maria Kumar, the Latino, you know, Trump, 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 Biden better than Trump. So that is the strategy. Now, is it going to work? I don't think so. You know, people who hate Trump are going to hate Trump. But if you're paying four times as much for what you paid for under Trump, you might kind of look at the Republicans in a different way. Um, so. That's what they're going to do the next two weeks. You'll hear it every day. Now, the January 6th committee, which is in business to destroy Trump and to boost the Democrats, they've issued a subpoena for Trump to testify. Of course, that's exactly what they want, to bring Trump in, make Trump the 
center of the election on November 8th. Now, Trump, I assume, is going to fight the subpoena and they'll never get him in that quick. Um, I doubt that they will. But that's this is all orchestrated. Okay. All right. So that's the memo. And now Biden's schedule. So he had a tree planting ceremony. (laughs) Two fifteen. I planted a tree um, and then uh, some Democratic stuff and uh, Diwal. Is that how you say it? Diwal? That's a, that's a uh, Hindu uh, celebration. Diwali. Okay. So uh, that's what he does today. No, so- no problem solving. <laughs> no. Tree, Diwali, uh, Democratic politics. Okay. If I can get a picture of the tree, I'll, uh, I'll show it to you tomorrow. Now, the media itself is panicked, all right, because they, all the progressives that they supported are going down a drain in less than two years. They are very, very um, worried, okay? So the Washington Post is part of the cabal, New York Times, L.A. Times, CNN, NBC News, CBS News, ABC News. That, that's the primary national cabal. There's a guy who writes a column of the Washington Post, Jonathan Capehart, and he's associate editor of the Washington Post, too. So he gets an interview with Biden on October 21st. Roll it. Mr. President, I'll be honest. I'm scared. Millions of Americans are scared. They're concerned about the, the concerted attacks on democracy on on voting um, and how that's going to impact the midterm elections. We're seeing everything from Governor DeSantis's election police force arresting people for alleged violations of voter uh, voter fraud. Um, We're seeing um, election workers quitting because of threats. And then on top of it, you've got election deniers up and down the ballot uh, running for election. A good chunk of them could win. So why shouldn't we be scared? Well, I think we should be concerned. Look, uh, there's nothing automatic about democracy. Remember when you're in undergraduate school, they talk about every generation has to protect democracy. So uh, Jonathan Capehart is scared, worried. Not worried about Hillary Clinton denying the election of 2016. Not worried about Stacey Abrams denying the election in Georgia in 2016, uh, 2018. Uh, no, I'm not worried about that. No, he worried about the Republicans who deny them, but not the Democrats. So it's just, it's so transparent, so phony. I actually thought Biden was pretty good there. Um, he goes, oh, look, democracy, you, know, you got to fight for it, which you do. Um, but there's just as much corruption on the Democrat side as there is with the Republicans saying crazy things, probably more on the Democrat side. All right. So let's bring uh, oh, one more thing. I want to, this is this is good uh, before we get to our guest. So Biden, um, when he gives an interview, the reason he didn't do more with Capehart is because he wasn't expecting that and he didn't know how to answer it. Most of the interviews he does is scripted. He knows the questions, and they, his people in a White House communications office tell him what to say. All right, so his new theme is 
that he's bringing down the deficit. Go. Today, my administration announced that this year, the deficit fell by $1.4 trillion, the largest one-year drop in American history, $1.4 trillion decline in the deficit. Let me repeat that. The largest ever decline in the federal deficit. Okay. Well, it's a total ruse, but people don't know this, and that's why you watch and listen to me. So the reason the deficit came down is because the $850 billion that Biden and Trump spent on COVID relief payments to people, businesses, the $850 billion came off the books. The COVID money came off the books. So $1.4 trillion, $100 billion is a trillion dollars. All right. I'm sorry, a thousand, a thousand billion is a trillion dollars. So 850 billion come off the books. So of course the deficit's gonna come down because it's not there anymore. You see, you see how deceitful now does Biden even know that? No, I no. But they these guys behind the curtain, they said, yeah. Yeah, we have the biggest deficit drop it, but we won't tell them why. We won't tell them that. And add to the $850 billion coming off the books, $5 trillion in tax receipts in 2022, fiscal year just ended. $5 trillion. The highest amount of money the federal government has ever taken from the American people. And by once more, fair share. Bernie wants more, fair share. Five trillion dollars in tax receipts. So yeah, COVID expenditure, 850 billion leaving, five trillion coming in. Yeah. Deficit drop. And and Joe goes, I did. I I did it. Well, you want to give him credit for raising taxes and gutting everybody? Go ahead. Okay, now let's bring in Eddie Scarry. He is a columnist for the Federalist, a observer of politics in our nation's capital. He wrote a book uh, in June called Liberal Misery. They're miserable now, Eddie. They definitely live miserable now, are they not? Uh, well, the point of the book is that this, is, this has been going on for quite some time. But I would say, yes, as we get closer to election, I think you're going to see more liberal misery. <laughs> So you're not worried about that the uh, anti-progressive sentiment may be peaking too early? It's two weeks to go. Um, is it peaking too early? I think in your, your monologue, you said that the, the media is panicked. I look at it a different way. I think that the media is resigned. <laughs> I think they see the writing on the wall. Um, and what do they do? They talk a lot about Trump, about saving democracy. What you don't hear much about is what, um, what, what accomplishments that Biden has achieved, the Biden administration, that Democrats in Congress have achieved. You don't really hear anything about that. And I will tell you that the interview that you just played a clip of, um, the Jonathan Capehart, MSNBC Biden interview, I, every single day, turn on uh, MSNBC or, yeah, MSNBC or CNN, 
And that is an interview that they would you would be expecting them because it aired on a Friday. You would be expecting them to carry it into the following week because a lot of people like myself, because I have a life, I missed it. Um, and yet you did not see that interview anywhere. I had to look up clips on on Twitter to find what Biden had said, extended clips about what the, what the questions were asked. And I can tell you that that is something that there is a reason that CNN and MSNBC do not want to highlight that clip. <laughs> what is the reason? Uh, it was it was shocking that they aired it to begin with because Biden seemed about two seconds away from needing to be in a nursing home. His his answers went on and on and on. They were over here. They were over there. Um, it was it was in a way right. it was there wasn't any cogent beyond right. And that was my point that he, they weren't expecting that Cape Heart meltdown. Now you uh, I don't know where you get the Washington Post every day, but certainly see it. Um, they have become more entrenched with the progressive movement in the last two years since Biden's been in than at any time in their history, I believe, or am I wrong? Um, no, I think that's true. The entire media, I think, I, I used to be of the mindset that, yeah, there was there were certain biases that were in the new, news media, um, the New York Times, MSNBC, ABC, NBC, CBS, um, CNN. Um, but it was there was I, at least there seemed to be an attempt on on many of these reporters, journalists, and anchors to to get things right or find the center or find the objective the objectivity. But now there's just out and out hostility every single day. There's out and out very obvious lying, demonstrable lying. The one thing I will say about Jonathan Capehart is that I I spent um, about three days with him on a work related trip in Hawaii. Actually, very nice guy not very bright, not very sharp when it comes to politics. <laughs> but th right. therein lies the danger because he's used very easily by um, Democrat forces and obviously uh, the Washington Post. Now, did you see any reporting when Biden came out and said that he's responsible for the record drop in the deficit? Did you see any reporting as I just did? But remember, the Washington Post has a guy, uh, Glenn somebody, who's supposed to be the truth guy, Tesla. the fact checker. Right, right. Did you see anybody say, uh, yeah, but that's because all the spending for COVID came off the books. Did you see anybody say that? No, and actually I, I often, I'm sure many of your viewers have the same experience where you start thinking to yourself, am I crazy for having this thought? Because I've been saying that exact same thing for over a year, which was, well, wait, because there was all this spending and now we're not seeing that spending anymore. Isn't that why? And yet you never see that. No. And of course, when you have when you have um, the, the, the Glenn Kessler's offering up um, Pinocchio's or Geppetto's, whatever they are, um, it, it always comes with this caveat, well, well, his, the context is missing, but it wasn't quite a lie. When it's Trump, that's a lie. <laughs> they will call an opinion a lie when it comes to Donald Trump. But when it comes to actual things that matter, when it comes to money, when it comes to Democrats lying, you will not see that same, that same zeal with which they approach Trump. Final question. What do you see on November 8th? Um, it's it's going to be interesting. I think that I just I just read a story that said that New York may very well be getting its first um, Republican governor since I think 2006. Um, so the the polls that, that I'm looking at are the only thing that seem to muddy up what otherwise should be very well understood to be a coming red crush. I don't call it a red wave. I call it a red crush. Um, but I, I think the intuition that a lot of people are feeling. It, that it will be the red crush. I think that's what we're going to see. <laughs> All right, Eddie, we really appreciate it. Thanks very much. Thank you. Um, and you know what? I have to be honest with my uh, viewers and listeners. I want 
as Ed said, the red crush. Because if you don't get a rise up of the folks, if you don't get that, then the corruption that we see in the media will get worse. So they're getting away with it now. And um, the anecdote to that used to be Fox News and Newsmax to some extent. But they're under siege over there, both Fox News and Newsmax, by this Dominion lawsuit, which was featured on uh, 60 Minutes last night. And um, their power isn't what it used to be. Uh, The power of the conservative media is not nearly what it used to be. The progressive power isn't either because the collapse of ratings on all television left-wing networks and the collapse of circulation on the newspapers. So they're both in decline. But as Eddie pointed out, I think very accurately, the boldness, it used to be, well, you know, we can't actually go out and say something not true to the readers or the listeners because they'll come back and we'll get hurt. It's God. They can say things that are not true. Um, And so if that doesn't get corrected, and the only people that can correct it are you, the voters, the only people that can correct it by going to the polls on November 8th and saying, you know what, we've had enough. I may not be a conservative. I may not like Donald Trump. I may not be somebody who uh, subscribes to uh, the Republican Party, but I see the danger on the other side being so much worse, which it is, that I'm going to vote against those progressives. And I'm, you know, I think that's what will happen. This episode is made possible by PwC. When unprecedented times are all the time, it's time to start walking the talk. Leaders like you turn to PwC to see and stay ahead. Upskill your workforce, use intelligent automation, and transform big ideas into breakthrough outcomes. Explore the human-led, tech-powered solutions that help you thrive. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, joining us now from New York City is Frank Luntz. Hey, Lance, good to see you. Thanks for taking the time. I know you're busy uh, surveying the United States, and you got to do it now uh, by Zoom because of COVID. You still can't get them in a little room and torture them? Uh, Wow, you're even meaner than Sean Hannity about these focus groups. (laughs) Uh, uh, It's it's a new process. The, The good thing about it is it's now a nationwide discussion. So if you took a look, a close look at that video, you'll find that there were maybe 15 different states out of those 18 or 19 people. So we really can talk to people at the same time, coast to coast. The bad part of it is I like to see their expressions, their body language, which I cannot see in a Zoom like this. So I lose that. 
but uh, I can also assemble people in a matter of an hour or two to ask them about some crisis, an economic crisis, a foreign policy disaster, something that went wrong. And I couldn't do that before. How many people did you have in the, in the video that we saw? How many people were in that discussion group? Typically 16, 17, 18 people. I go as high as 30 and as few as a dozen. About 20 is the, is the sweet spot because then everyone gets a chance to participate. Nobody can dominate the conversation. And with 20 different voices, if they're selected correctly, that gives you a really good feel for what's going on in America. And I when have say, to do this if I'm to know, know what's going to happen. When you say selected correctly, what questions do you ask before you put them on? I want to know what the partisanship is. I want to know who they voted for. I want to know how often they consume news. I want to know ideologically where they stand, their age, their income, their education, their, their gender, uh, where they live, uh, uh, city, suburb, small town. Uh, I want to know that I've got a group that's accurately reflective of the population I'm trying to study, and then it's sufficiently diverse to give me a feel for the country. Okay. So two weeks from today, the midterm vote will be held, and your feeling about that vote is what? It has changed because of the sessions I've been doing over the last three or four weeks. Up until around the 1st of June, Republicans were headed towards a landslide victory. But after Roe v. Wade, after the abortion decision from the Supreme Court, the Democrats started to make inroads. And Joe Biden had several successes over the summer. At least they were portrayed as successes. And it made a significant difference in the outcome that the generic ballot actually went in the advantage of the Democrats and that it looked like the Democrats were going to pick up two or three seats in the Senate. As of October 22nd, Sorry, as of October 25th, let me get my dates right. I now believe that the Republicans are headed for a 15 to 20 seat House gain. And I believe that the Senate will stay status quo, which is Democrats have the advantage because they control the White House. I'm looking at a 50-50 or maybe 51-49 Democratic advantage, which I know, Bill, from your perspective, you think the Republicans are going to win all across the board. I'll give you the two races that I'm watching. Georgia with Herschel Walker against Raphael Warnock and Pennsylvania, the big debate that's going to happen. I don't know when this goes out, but the debate that's going to happen a few hours from when we are taping this. In both cases, the Democrat has the advantage. In both cases, if the election were held today, the Democrat would win by two or three points. But in both challenge, Uh, new poll out today. I don't know whether you saw it in Georgia. It's got Walker ahead by two and Kemp ahead by seven. When you have uh, that's the top of the ticket, Kemp is going to win. And I think he's going to drag Walker across because all the polls have it either a tie or Warnock by one or Walker today by two. So I think that Walker is going to win there. New Hampshire has surged for Bulldog against Maggie Hassock. It's now a tie within the margin of error in New Hampshire. That one of my bellwether states because there are so many independent voters in that state. And in the uh, faux pas that I just presented before I brought you on, the Biden opposition is hardening now across the country, even in states like Washington State, where Patty Murray is actually has to fight to keep her seat. So I think you're wrong on that. But is there something that I'm missing? 
it's one thing to pull even. It's another thing to actually get more votes than your opponent. That the negativity in Georgia against Herschel Walker, he has survived an onslaught. It's very similar to a Trump campaign when he went through in 2016 and 2020. In the end, I think that Georgia will have more ticket splitters. I do agree with you that Kemp wins that race, that Stacey Abrams will, for the second time, lose her election. But I'm not convinced that he'll pull Walker over the finish line simply because Georgia's suburban voters do split their ballots. They don't feel all right, like they but have- they're all getting hurt in Georgia. It's a working class state, just like North Carolina, where I, I think uh, the Republican will win the Senate seat there. Because as you know, you know better than anybody in this country, the suffering of the working people now cuts across all parties and ideologies, Frank. Come on. I'll give you the numbers behind it. There was a point in 2016 when Donald Trump had started to win over working class voters. The average age of a Trump voter was 59, which is much older than the Democrats. But what was more important is this amount of savings that the average Trump voter had. And this is when Trump had begun to gain support. $2,000 is what they had put away at the age of 59. Bill, if that's all you have at 59 and you're not college educated and you can't go get a high tech job and you're not gonna move from wherever you are, then you're screwed. And that is the voter that you're describing right now. They're fed up, they're not gonna take it anymore. Right. I just believe that, frankly, some of the messaging from the former president telling people their vote doesn't matter, telling people in Georgia, in Georgia. You're talking about home, Trump? Talking about Trump. Yeah, but he's disappeared. Say- nobody's, nobody's even considering Trump right now when they're making out their family budget. I'm, I, I can tell you that. New York, where I am right now, where you are right now, I think Zeldin's going to beat her. I think the emotion of people in New York with the crime and the general disarray and the high taxes, I think Zeldin's going to win. You see that? And that's the issue. And the fact that they can't get crime under control, and I'll give you more details because of the focus groups, it's the randomness of it, that you never know in your own neighborhood, in your own home, whether you could be the victim of crime. And it never was that way. It hasn't been that way since the 1960s. And that randomness. And the same thing with immigration. It is not that they are making an ideological stand on immigration. It's that they're mad as hell that these people are flooding across the border. The White House says the border is absolutely secure, which obviously it's not. And they see these people showing up all across the country. But Frank, you're making my case for me. People are mad as hell. And they're not going to vote for the incumbent dithering president who is perceived to be uh, as incompetent as anybody since Herbert Hoover when they're mad as hell. You're making my point for me here. Bill, I am. But here's the kicker. Here's the caveat. Donald Trump has told Republicans again and again that the elections are rigged, that the system doesn't work, that he won the election. And you know the impact of that? Some Republicans aren't going to vote because oh, of what believe Trump it. Trump says. I don't That's believe it. Fun. I don't think Trump is a factor at all in this. But hey, you're the expert. Now, New York Times this weekend. What are you doing? Why are you doing it? 
Uh, we did a focus group to learn about what voters think of uh, Ron DeSantis in Florida and whether or not he will be a potentially a strong challenger to Donald Trump, whether or not he's the next generation of political leader. And we got the same kind of divisions that we are getting in all of our sessions. Half the group loves the guy and thinks he's a great governor, more than half. But, but a large number don't like him because they think that he's too dictatorial, that he tells people what they should think. Uh, in the end, I actually believe, based on these Florida voters, that Donald Trump is in trouble in 2024 if DeSantis decides to run. These are the people who know Trump the best and know DeSantis the best. And if asked to choose, they would rather have DeSantis over Donald Trump. And that's just in Florida, though. Um, that's correct. Okay, so it's Republicans in Florida. New York Times wanted to know who's more popular, DeSantis or Trump. Do I have it? Not just Republicans, independents and Democrats. Oh, you, you poll Democrats. Well, but see, that skews it because Democrats hate Trump so much. Yes, they hate they him. Like, no, but they don't like Ron DeSantis either. Of course, they don't like anybody who's conservative. Yes. Um, okay, uh, you dodged my question about Lee Zeldin. You see him winning in New York? I see him making it so much closer than anybody expected. I see that, there's, that this reminds me of 1994 with uh, Pataki. The only difference is, and I go back to the same thing, I'm sorry, Bill, I must sound like a broken record, but Donald Trump has sway. Conservatives listen to him. Republicans listen. He's the most powerful political figure among the Republican Party since Ronald Reagan 40 years ago. And Trump has been saying to them again and again, the system is broken, it's rigged. And even if 1% of Republican voters don't vote because of that, that will cost three or four House seats and maybe a Senate governorship. Right, I, do I don't see that happening. But here's what I do see happening. And this is speculation on my part. And, you know, I don't do a lot of speculation. I don't think a lot of minority voters, blacks in particular, are going to turn out because I think they're getting hurt economically more than anyone else in this country. And they're not going to go to the polls to affirm the people who are hurting them. That does not show up in any of the polling. So in Georgia, for example, where you have a lot of African-American vote, they don't go out, they being the black vote, the way they did two years ago, okay? Walker wins, Walker wins. And that's what I'm seeing. There's gonna be a suppression, not a conscious suppression, but a, well, why am I gonna vote for the people who are hurting me? Less work. Last word is the vote to watch is the Latino Hispanic vote. In, in uh, 2016, 28% voted for Trump. In 2020, 38% voted for Trump. Our polling has it at 45% for Republicans. If you get that much of a swing, not only do the Republicans win the House, but it makes several Senate Democrats losers because the Latino vote all right, we're losing you on uh, whatever cyberspace thing we have. Uh, Frank, we really appreciate it. Um, and now we have it all on tape. <laughs> so we'll see whether Luntz uh, is right or O'Reilly's right. But I see uh, the GOP grand old party, that's the Republicans, winning the Senate by two. 
That is my prediction now. That could change. Remember, we got two weeks. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary VTW, void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus okay you uh, i'm sure heard about this uh, 13 chinese nationals arrested uh, by the justice department i'm not going to go into this micro thing it's the same old stuff so china sends people here they uh, spy on companies to get technology, to, to do a, a variety of terrible things. It's, it's basically espionage without the explosions. But China wants American technology, okay, in a, in a whole bunch of ways. They want medical technology. They want space technology. They want all of that. And these people uh, dropped in here, FBI investigating. There was an FBI undercover uh, who uh, allegedly received $60,000 from a Chinese national. That's what this is all about, okay? And so uh, they're all being prosecuted. Ted Cruz. So you know how I feel about The View, even though I went on The View about 15 times when Barbara Walters was in charge of the program. Ms. Walters no longer has anything to do with it, and it has become a uh, ferociously progressive presentation, unfair, hateful, Disney should be ashamed. Now, Ted Cruz decides to go on The View because he has a book. I will submit to you there isn't one person, and about two million people watch that show a day, that's all. Okay, It's not well watched, but it gets a lot of media attention. Anyway, Cruz goes on. Um, And the usual chaos breaks out. First, there are protesters in the audience. Go. It's the most money in history we've ever taken in. The problem is we spent nearly $7 trillion, and that's what... We do cover climate here, guys. We do cover climate. Ladies, ladies, excuse us. Let us do our job. Okay. They removed three uh, global warming protesters, whatever it was. Insignificant. But now this is significant. These are largely nasty women. I cut Whoopi Goldberg some slack because I've known her for so long. And personally, she isn't. And I don't think she's even comfortable with that program anymore, but I could be wrong. Roll the tape. I frankly don't know how you get over your wife being called ugly. I don't know how you get over those kind of calumnies against your father. But you obviously (laughs) have gotten over it. Today you sing a very different tune. So tell us, were you lying then or are you lying now? 
Yeah, that's that's a loaded question there. <laughs> Look, it's a, it, it's an, I think a lot of people have the same question. It's a very different Ted Cruz that we're seeing. We are. I mean, would you uh, not agree that that's very different Ted Cruz than, no, than today's Ted Cruz? No, I What I would say is this. In 2016, we had a primary where Donald Trump and I beat the living crap out of each other. I'll tell you, Heidi laughed when he said that. My father laughed. That was a good answer by uh, Ted Cruz. But I have to say, if uh, Anna Navarro, who is just a vile human being, and I don't say that about many people, but vile, said that to me, there would have been, uh, I would have just looked in her, in her eye and say, I would have said the same thing I just said to you. You know, you're a vile person. Because she is. I don't know why anybody would subject themselves to that. All right. Remember Morton Downey Jr. way, way back, and he'd go on and scream and throw stuff. And I, I, I when I was younger, I, why would anybody put themselves through that? And again, Cruz didn't sell one copy of his book there. All it was is a pinata. Boom, boom, boom. They're not interested in anything like that. Yet you could ask that question to Cruz without that kind. Are you lying then or are you lying now? Hey, listen, lady. <laughs> oh, now, she might have done that to me because she wants to be famous. She wants to get in all the Internet stuff. But boy, so Cruz gave a good answer, but he was foolish for going on there. All right, Brittany uh, Griner. This is the uh, basketball player who is incarcerated in uh, Russia for bringing some pot residue into the country. So this shows Putin's cruelty. There's no reason why this woman should be imprisoned in a penal colony outside of Moscow. There's no reason on earth. Okay, she made a mistake, finer. She's not a dope dealer. She just wanted to bring the stupid pot into Russia, which was ridiculously dumb. But now you're torturing the woman. Because you're cruel, Putin. You are cruel. That's why. You are a sociopath. Maybe if Putin ever gets deposed, he could be on The View. <laughs> anyway, uh, I expect somewhere down the line, Ms. Greiner will be released. And then we'll have to release some Russians that we have convicted for felonies, serious felonies in the United States. I think that's what it'll go down. Okay. How many annoying people do you know? Now, I, in my life, I kind of sort them out. If a person annoys me, I, I'm, I think I'm charitable. I'm not, I, you know, I try to give the benefit of the doubt. Somebody can be annoying on Tuesday and a good person on Thursday. That's, that's possible. But there are annoying people. All right, let's all be honest about this. So Reddit, I don't know what Reddit is. I asked my staff, and they're young. My staff's young, okay? I said, explain to me what Reddit is. They couldn't do it. They know what it is. But I got, I got Reddit. Uh, it's comprised of thousands of user-originated, operated communities called subreddits or subs. Right. And I don't, I don't really particularly care. Uh, I got to be honest with you. But anyway, they they put out a list, a long list. Reddit did 
of phrases that annoying people use. And we have selected the dirty dozen. Ready? Here are the phrases annoying people use. Let's agree to disagree. Let's unpack this. It is what it is. Ah! Trust the science. Full stop. Here's the deal. Sorry, President Biden. All right. Here's the next list. Live, laugh, love. Threat to our democracy. No brainer. It's all good. Sorry, not sorry. This is my truth. (laughs) Annoying, yes. Yes. Now, tomorrow we'll have standard cliches. These are just annoying phrases. These are uh, phrases that annoying people use. We'll have a different thing tomorrow. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. Here is the final thought of the day. So uh, I signed a deal to do some commentary for an organization called News Nation. It's a cable news outfit. It doesn't do ideology, although they did hire Chris Cuomo to do their 8 o'clock program. So I'm going to do commentaries for them a couple of times a week. Now, the reason I'm doing this is to spread the word. So News Nation uh, has been on air about a year and a half. They haven't done all that much. They need attention. I'll give them attention because my commentaries are obviously high profile. But it's important for me and for this news operation to spread the word. Spread the word. Okay? The more people that know about us, the more powerful we become. The more resources we have, the better we can cover the news for you, the watcher and listener on the radio. So News Nation, I'll be on tomorrow on the Cuomo Show, 8 p.m., and then a couple of times a week thereafter, and we are very thankful for the opportunity. And thank you for watching and listening tonight. We'll see you tomorrow.